All right, good, good, good. You guys remember where we left off last Sunday? We were talking about words matter, and we looked at a few things about how, um, we didn't get into all of it, but we looked at James and all these different verses about how the power of our tongue has the power of life and death, right, to bless, to curse. God has given us a lot of authority and power in our mouths, just as he created the world by speaking it into being. Um, We can actually, if you remember several weeks ago, that was the title of a message I had, our words create worlds, right? We live in the world that we often speak about. If we just speak negative things, and I'm I'm bad at this, I'm no good at this, and I don't like these people, and all these negative things come out of our mouth, then we live in a pretty discouraging, depressing world. But if we live speaking the promises of God and saying all the things that he says, all his promises are yes and amen to say to, right? And we begin to create the world we live in. We get to walk in his promises. And so I love that about David. He does that often throughout the Psalms. Surely his goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. He just kept declaring it. His goodness is around me. I'm going to taste the goodness of God in the land of living. I'm not going to wait till I get heaven. All my problems are going to be gone. No, my problems are gone right now, here and now, because I have the presence of God where there's fullness of joy, right? So I'm already re-preaching what we talked about. Um, But this is the idea that I, I want to be on a theme for today as well, connected this idea of word. So last Sunday, we talked about some words that need to be cleansed. We looked at Isaiah chapter 6, how he was, I'll say, I, I love that story because he probably was the most godly man on the face of the earth. The one that had the least amount of sin, the one that was following God, doing what he was saying. He was living amongst the time, uh, Israel in a time where they were not obeying God. And so all these people were doing their own thing and it, and. Um, Isaiah's like, God, I love you, and I want to be true to your word. And so he's following God, and as soon as he gets into God's presence, he's like, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, right? I've said things I shouldn't have said. And so he recognizes his sin based off of what comes out of his mouth. And I just, uh, we were encouraged last Sunday to get rid of those things, to take the coal, cleanse our lips, right? And so I want this to be a continuation this morning on that theme, Last Sunday was getting rid of things that don't belong in our mouths. So the title of this morning's message is very basic and simple. Words that belong in our mouths. That's what we're going to talk about. Words that belong in our mouths. And we're going to look at this story from Isaiah. Um, if you, I don't have all the verses up behind me. And um, I'm not going to read it verse by verse for you. But if you want, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Make sure I'm telling you the right story. Um, but it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, verse 1, right? I saw the Lord high and lifted up, right? So he's in the presence of God, and he hears these angels in this choir speaking to God, saying, holy, 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 right, is the Lord God Almighty, right? Um, The whole earth is filled with his glory, they're saying. And in the midst of that, that's where we get Isaiah saying, I'm a man of unclean lips. Ah, I can't, I am cut off is the word in Hebrew. I'm cut off. Undone means I'm cut off. I can't worship God the way this atmosphere is. The way the angels are worshiping God, I can't have that worship come out of my mouth because I got ugly things that have come out of my mouth. So he gets cleansed, right? So we're going to look at three things on the heels of that story right where we're at. Three things that belong in our mouths. Three good things that belong in our mouths. Um, so I'll say, actually, you know what? Let me pray before. I know we just, Jen did a great job of praying for different things. Can I make it short and simple? I know I always say a short prayer. I promise it'll be very short. But let's say a quick prayer this morning. So would you pray with me? All right, let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. It is living and active. And I pray that it would become a rhema word, that it's alive inside of us, and that we speak your words full of conviction and truth. So Lord, Holy Spirit, would you help me to bring your word in a way that's um, fitting for what you have for us today? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, so what words belong in our mouths? 
Psalm 81.10 says this, Open your mouth wide and I will fill it with good things. I love that. I've heard Pastor Greg preaching that before. Um, there's this idea that if we cleanse our lips, we say, God, forgive me, as we just took communion, all these different things where we purge ourselves, we cleanse ourselves of things that don't belong, and we've been purified. Now we have to open our mouths wide because God wants to fill our mouths with good things. When I read that, I think right away of baby chicks. I don't know about you, but that's just my brain goes, right? That's, I think of those little birds in the nest, right? Their mouths are like wider than their head, right? They're all the way open, and they're just ready to receive whatever mama has for them. It doesn't matter if it's a worm, fish, roadkill, right? Whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, right? They just have their mouths wide open. Whatever mom's going to bring them, it's going to be good. It's going to bring nourishment to their bodies, and they're not going to be picky. They're just saying yes before it even comes in their mouth. And that's what I'm saying this morning is I, I believe that anything that God has for my life and it came from him, it's good, right? And so on my mouth is going to be wide open and he's going to fill it with good things. So what belongs in our mouths? We're going to say three things. There's probably a lot more, but just to make it simple this morning, three things that belong in our mouths that God wants to fill our mouths with. So if you're taking notes, that's the title of this morning's message. I don't have slides for you, um, but it is, right? Words that belong in our mouths, three things. I'll give them all three to you, and then we'll break them down. So one, poetic psalms. Second one, purposeful prayers. Third one, prophetic phrases. So if you're writing those down, don't worry, I'll get back to them again. But it's poetic psalms. i got to remember that in my brain how this goes. Poetic psalms, purposeful prayers, and prophetic phrases. Where do I get those three from? Well, from the story of Isaiah. We'll break it down. Um, after he did that. He joined in that heavenly throng of, of praising God. He joined in. I, I'm cut off. Now I've been cleansed. Now I can worship the Lord. And then he had a purposeful prayer. We'll get to that. He said something. God, this is what I want. And then God said, all right, you be my chosen pro prophetic voice. You be my prophet. You go speak these things. So that's where I'm getting these three things from, from that story of Isaiah chapter 6. Also, I'm getting it from the number one command in the Bible. What is the greatest command? When the Pharisees came to Jesus, says, what's the greatest command? Sunday school trivia. What is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, right? Those three things, Jesus adds mind, combine it kind of into soul. So this idea, our heart, I'm going to say that goes with our praises, stirring up our affections. We'll get that to a second. Um, our soul, that's where our mind is. That's where we reason, logic. We'll get to that. And then our strength, what actually comes out of our body, the words that come out of our mouth. And so we're going to look at these things. So let's do it. The first one, poetic psalms. Words that belong in our mouths, God wants to fill us with good things. He wants to fill us with poetic psalms, right? So love the Lord God with all your heart. I'm equating the heart with our emotions. With, um, has anyone heard this before? You have a right side of your brain and a left side of your brain. The right side is more creative and the left side is more logical. Has anyone ever heard that before? So I think there's actual scientific truth with that, how your brain works and how everything connects. But there are some of us that have a more, we are born with a leaning towards using one side of our brain more than the others. And so that's kind of how this one is. I'm going to say this is more the right side of your brain, being creative. When I say poetic, I mean poetic, poetic psalms. Um, I was thinking about this. I wrote a poem in my life. And it was when I was forced to in high school about 25 years ago. That's the last poem I ever wrote. Um, I, don't, I don't tend to write a lot of poems. I don't, my brain doesn't think that way. It's not something I enjoy doing. Some of you, I know Linda's great at uh, a cross, uh, what do you call those? 
Acrostics, you know, just her brain thinks that way of, of words and what can fit and relate. I love that. I try to, right, in doing this, I'm giving you these words, um, poetic psalms, purposeful prayers. Like, that's my, like, check mark. Like, I'm doing something to put forth effort with rhyming or alliteration, maybe, not rhyming, right? They both start with Ps. Um, so I try to do that. But the idea is that God wants us to, cr- to stir up our creative side that we were created in his image. Is God not a God who creates? He created the whole world, Genesis chapter one, but scientists will tell you today that aren't even God-fearing scientists, they'll tell you that the universe is expanding. It's actually still being created and actually at a exponentially faster rate. So when things first started getting created, there was some type of how things were happening over time. And now things are getting created faster and faster and faster and going in every direction, right? My brain can't understand that. But God is still, at this very moment, a very creative God. And we're created in his image. And so we are to be creative, even though you might say, I'm not born creative. Well, yes, you are. You're created in his image. And so there's this idea of poetic psalms. What do I mean by psalms, right? Singing songs. Um, We spend almost a third of our time here on Sunday morning singing songs. And I remember talking to a coworker years ago um, who wasn't saved and just his wife got saved and he was starting to go to church and he knew I was a pastor. So he started asking me questions. And, um, and one of the things he asked me, I totally remember one day, he's like, Ryan, so I went to church the other day. He's like, what's up with the concert? How come you guys always have like a singing concert before the preacher says something? And I was laughing like, oh, a singing concert. Okay, that's what he worshiped. That's what he calls a singing concert. Okay. Um, and so I had to explain to him. So the scriptures say that we should be singing to the Lord, that we have this love for God. What does it mean to have a poetic psalm? It means just that we tell God that we love him. And here's the reasons why. What is a poetic psalm? You're, you're using words to tell God you love him. That's a poetic psalm. I love you, God, and here's the reasons why. Right? So we can do it with someone else that wrote a song with Daniel and other people that have good voices, unlike some of us. Right? We can listen to them. We can just join them in singing those songs. But the reality is, it's not your uh, creative ability that pleases God. It's your decision to say, you know what? I am going to express my love to God. I'm going to be expressive in my love for him. I'm not going to be one of those grumpy old men that the wife says, how can we never say I love you? Well, I said it when we got married 55 years ago. Why I got to say it again, right? Like I'm going to express it again and again. I'm going to tell God every day, I love you. And let me tell you why I love you, right? I can't, I can't even write down all the benefits, all the good things, right? So for me, when I go to, this is my own peek into my own quiet time with God. Sometimes I spend all my time in that very beginning, entering his gates with thanksgiving, and I'll just be thankful. I'm like, oh my goodness, God, you are so good. And let me just tell you why you're so good. And then I forget to pray for any, anybody else or anything else because I'm just enjoying telling God how good he is and how much I love him. Um, so that's me. I enjoy doing that, even though I might be, not be super creative in my poems writing. Um, I want to express my love, right? I want to express it over again and again. And I was thinking about how we read that. These angels were expressing adoration. And it says they repeat it over and over again, 24-7 for all of eternity. You think that would get old, like really the same thing over and over again, right? But it never gets old because they're just re-expressing, oh, their love and adoration for God. And I pray that it never gets old for us to sing poetic psalms that we just keep singing all the day long. I've, I've given 
sermons on singing. I'm not going to unpack why we need to sing, but we should, right? Uh, Really quick, I'll go go on a rabbit hole real quick, a quick one. Even the devil, scripture kind of points out that he may have been the worship leader before he fell, before he took a third of the angels with him. He may have been the worship leader up in heaven. And some scholars think that maybe even parts of his body were instruments, that he had trumpets and cymbals and all these different parts of his body. And he actually could play all kinds of music from his own being. And that actually, if you think about it, we actually have instruments. We have winds. We have percussion. We've got all these things that we can create music out of our own bodies. And so we are created to worship God. And we should be doing that. And we should do it creatively. Um, I was thinking about this. Um, David, right? David was like the macho man. If you read, he's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I love David. Um, but you read from a young age, right? As a young boy, what did he do? He killed a giant, right? All these other grown men afraid, not this young boy. Nope, I'm not afraid. He's, he's tough, uh, very confident, right? The king says, all right, uh, um, I, whoever kills a thousand Philistines can have my wife in marriage, right? He's like, thousand Philistines? All right, let's go. And they'll go kill a thousand Philistines, right? He'll do whatever, like he's not afraid. Even when, even when the king turns on him, and he's ostracized and kicked out and he's trying to get killed. And so he runs for his life out into the wilderness. He finds all these other thieves, murderers, people that can't go back home because if they did, they'd be stoned to death or imprisoned. And so they're out living outside the city. And David matches up with all these gangsters, all these people that don't belong in society. And David's with all these tough and rough and tough, whatever, however you want to picture it, Harley Davidson guys, right? Or whatever it is, these guys that are just macho, right? And David shows up and he becomes their leader. They actually want David to be in charge of them. So I was telling you, this guy's pretty macho. Like, I don't know how he got initiated into the gang, but maybe he had to beat up somebody else. I don't know. But he wasn't afraid, right? And yet at the same time, leading these muscular, manly men, he brings out the harp and starts singing a poetic psalm. And they're like, what? Who's this dude? But he's unafraid. I'll become even more undignified. I'll take off all my clothes and dance, right? I don't care. I just want to worship my God. And so for me, there sometimes need to be a breaking down of the lie that to be creative and poetic, that might be less masculine. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I am created to dance, to sing, to do all these things, to write poems, even though, it's like I said, it's been decades since the last poem I wrote. Maybe it's time I start activating those things. Ephesians 5, 18 says this, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We like that one. Yeah, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the very next word? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. So in a sense, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, why do you want to be filled with the Spirit? Because when you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to sing songs. You're going to make melodies. You're going to actually sing amongst other people. You're going to actually be creative. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, that's actually a sign that you're filled with the Spirit, is that you sing. You are unashamed to dance in front of other people. That's a sign. Oh, that person is filled with the Spirit. So sign me up. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I'm willing to sing. I'm willing to dance. I'm willing to become undignified, right? I love that. I was thinking about this. So you have David, who maybe is this warrior king, macho guy. You think, well, maybe I'm not super athletic, but maybe you're a businessman and you're very smart. Well, then think about Solomon. He was the wisest man to ever live on this earth. The most educated, read more books, wrote more books, right? Uh, Wrote the book on lots of things, right? Things had never been discovered. He was an inventor. 
talk about brain, left brain, huge. And at the same time, who wrote the Song of Solomon's? Who wrote a lot of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, right? There's, there's this poetic voice even to Solomon, this manly man. And so I'm just saying, we, we can't limit ourselves to just one side. Well, I'm this, I'm not that. Yet you are all of it. You're all of it. I love what Leviticus, one of those ones that we read a lot, right? The book in the Bible we read a lot. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12. It says this. God is saying this. He says, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning the priest shall add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. Context. This is the Old Testament. This is when God delivered them from Egypt. They come into the wilderness, right? God gives them the instructions of a tabernacle, how to build this, the Holy of Holies, right? Um, all those things. And then God, who led them in a, pyre, a fire, oh my goodness, a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day, it says that after they created these things, God brought the fire and lit the altar. So God initiated the fire. But then he said, all right, priests, it's your job to keep it burning. He produced the fire, but he says it will burn out. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, the fire will go out. There's a responsibility and a cooperation with Jesus. That he can create fire and passion inside of us, but he's not going to be the one that keeps stirring it up for us. He's saying, you're the priests. Every day, stir up your passion. Do something to become singing a new song to the Lord. I love this idea. It says, we read it, Ephesians Sing psalms, spiritual songs. There's, scripture talks about a new song. To sing hymns, maybe songs that someone else wrote. Yeah, we should sing those. But we should start singing songs that nobody's ever written before. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you have ever sang a new song that no one else on the whole planet has ever sang before? I want to be one of those that can raise my hand. I don't want to just copy someone else's worship. I love it, and I can worship the Lord genuinely through that, but I want my own authentic poem to God. Really quick, all right, another rabbit trail, I'll make it quick. I don't know for sure, but what I remember in my brain, the very first creative thing I ever wrote down on a piece of paper was on a card for my mom on Mother's Day, probably when I was like four or five years old. I can remember I was going to draw a picture of a rose because she liked flowers, so I remember trying to probably looked nothing like a rose, but I was drawing a flower and I was trying to think of words as this four-year-old, what can I say? And I remember thinking, oh, like when water is on the rose petal early in the morning, it's like really pretty, it's crisp, it's cool. So I, remember, I don't even remember what I wrote, but I remember you're as pretty as dew on a, on a rose or something I wrote like that for her. Not eloquent, but it was an attempt to write something to my creative side and it's still seared in my brain 40-something years later, right? I'm remembering something where I attempted to make something poetic, use my right side of my brain because I loved my mom and I wanted to express my love for her. It's the same thing for God. If you love God, there should be something inside of you that you just want to express it. You want new ways to express it. You don't want to just copy someone else's love song. I want my own love song. And I'm believing that even as I'm preaching this message, God is going to initiate this desire in some of us. Maybe you've never written a poem in your entire life well, let's just be obedient to God's word. Let's just be doers of his word. And let's stir up the affections of our heart. As the priest had to stir the coals, we are responsible to stir up the affections and the love and the emotions. Uh, one of the alliterations I had for this was, um, 
let the feelings flow freely, right? When you're writing a poetic psalm, just let the feelings flow freely, right? Sometimes I'm not that type of person, but it doesn't matter. I want those emotions to be expressed towards God. So poetic psalms. Number two, purposeful prayers. What does that mean, right? It's words letting God know what you want. First, there are words letting God know what you think about him. Now you're letting God know what, he want, what you want, right? So I said Isaiah joined in in that praise and worship in Isaiah chapter 6. Then he made a prayer. He heard all this heavenly prayer going on, and then he heard the Trinity. He heard God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They said, who can we send? Who will go for us? I love that it says us. Even in the Old Testament, it has us, three in one. They believed in one God, and yet they get tripped over the Trinity. And it says that God said to himself, who can we send for us? He wasn't talking to the angels. He's talking amongst himself. And Isaiah overhears it, and he says this simple prayer. Here am I, send me. This is what I want, God. I want to be used. I want to please you. I want to honor you. A simple prayer. I love that it's only five words. Here am I, send me. Not a lot of words. If you know me, sometimes when I pray, I use a lot of words. And I feel like this, what God is saying, purposeful prayer, we need to get to a place where we can actually craft our prayers. Not just have our mouth running and speaking all the time, right? We talked about last Sunday about shutting our mouths. Even a fool is thought to be wise if he keeps his mouth shut, right? Sometimes we need to shut our mouths. Sometimes, oh man, another rabbit hole, sorry, really quick. This is my, my thinking, what happens between me and God sometimes. I think sometimes something happens in my life and I'm really quick to run my mouth and I just pray whatever comes to my head first. And I just pray that really quick and I'm done praying. And I thank God that it says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And I just have a feeling sometimes after I'm done praying, the Holy Spirit says, God the Father, he didn't really mean that. Here's really what he means. And he's saying, don't give him what he asked for. Actually give him this, right? I thank God there's a Holy Spirit that intercedes for me. Because sometimes I'm just running my mouth. And I feel like this purposeful prayer, what needs to fill our mouths? Yes, it's not wrong just to say that simple prayer, help, right? We get ourselves into trouble. We, we dig ourselves our own pit that we fall in. And sometimes help is the right prayer. But sometimes I would like not just my prayers always be help. God, be my, be my Santa Claus and just wave a wand and do something to help me. I'd actually like my prayers to be purposeful, like Isaiah's. Actually, you're the king and I'm your servant. What do you want? Not just do what I not my prayers aren't just filled with, here's what I want, God, here's my wish list, here's all the things I want. It's actually, when I focus it, what do you want, God? My desire is to do what you want. These purposeful prayers, sometimes they're concise, they're crafted, or I'll use the word curated. Let me give you the definition of curated. Carefully gathered, sifted, chosen, and organized. I wonder what it would look like for some of us to shift some of our prayer life where they become curated, where we gather a lot of thoughts, a lot of emotions, a lot of desires. We're gathering all these things, and before we speak a desire to God, we gather them all together and we sift them. 
We organize them. And we say, actually, that's not a very... I thought that's what I wanted. Now that I think about it, that's not really what I want. This is what I want. We take time to be still in God's presence. We choose our words carefully. See, I, I love that I have a friendship relationship with God. I, can con- I converse with God all day long. I have, my prayer life is often conversational. But there's times where if that's all it is, then I'm missing it. There needs to be these moments like Isaiah where he understands he's in the very presence of God and he chooses his words carefully. This idea of crafting your prayers, I don't know if you've heard this before, but uh, um, Graham Cook has a book, and I'll say book, it's more like a pamphlet. It's a small little, I don't know, like 50-page pamphlet uh, um, called Crafted Prayers. If you don't know what that is and you want to learn more about this, I encourage you, go look it up on Amazon. It's probably only a couple bucks. Buy it, read it in 20 minutes probably. Crafted Prayers. He beautifully explains how you can craft your prayers. Some of you maybe have heard this uh, book. It came out when I was a kid, or maybe just before that. Um, but Prayers That Avail Much, they've never heard that book. I love that book because what, um, let's see, the author is Jermaine Copeland. What they did is they took tons of scripture. They were very left brain organized. And they said, okay, if you are praying for a family member who's not following Christ, here's all the Bible verses. And they put them all together in a nice prayer. And you just insert that person's name and you just read this nice crafted prayer. And it has power because it's God's word that you're praying over that person. Or it can be whatever it is. Someone that's graduating, you're at a, a, a dinner party and you want to pray over that person that's graduating. It's got a whole prayer for that graduate. Whatever it is, it's this huge book full of all kinds of opportunities that you would want to pray for. And they've done all the work of getting God's word and crafting this beautiful prayer that you can pray. So I encourage you, get that one. One more that you can copy, kind of. I'll quote from A.W. Tozer, one of my favorites. He says this, For years I've made a practice of writing many of my earnest prayers to God in a little book. A book now well worn. I still turn often to the petitions I recorded in that book. I remind God often of what my prayers have been. One prayer in this book, and God knows it well by this time, for I pray it often, goes like this. Cliffhanger. I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to be that mean. But I'm giving you the idea that Tozer, he, he would write down his prayers. Think about it. Before just saying all these things to God, he would write them out and maybe go back and erase and recraft it. Concise. Let's make this more simple. No, this is really what I want, God. And he had this book of prayers. And even on those, he said, I had one that really shined out among all the rest. And God and I, we know it well because it just, it's prayed all the time. And I was thinking as I read that, God reminded me. I didn't hear a sermon like I am today. And I don't know that I heard all these things. But somehow the Holy Spirit led me when I was in college to do some of this, to make my prayers a little more concise. And so I'll share with you, I didn't give you Tozer's one prayer. I'll give you the one prayer I had for several years in my college life. It was this. Here's what I want. The words I spoke to God of what I wanted. I want to be a wise, obedient man of God who shares your love with others. I prayed that prayer. I worked on as a college student, okay, what do I really want? And that wisdom was there in the beginning. I want to learn. I want to mature. I want to grow. I want to gain understanding. I'm, I'm still, I recognize at 20 years old, I feel like I know more than everyone else, but I know the reality, I know nothing. 
And so I want to become wise. And I remember reading in Proverbs, it says that a wise son brings joy to his father and mother. I didn't want that just for my biological parents. I wanted that for my heavenly father. I want to bring him joy. And if it's wisdom that brings you joy, where I make good choices with my life, then God, I just want to be wise because I want to please you. And then I added to, I remember, I, I remember it took me several weeks crafting that prayer. I want to be a wise, obedient. I don't want to just be wise. I want to be obedient to whatever you say, not wise in my own eyes or to the world standards. I want to be obedient, God. Whatever you say, my answer is yes. Like Isaiah, here am I, send me. Before you give the assignment, pick me. I don't even know what the assignment is, but I'm all in. I want that same attitude. I just want to be obedient. Jesus, you said that if I love you, I'll obey you. And I love you, and I want it to be expressed in real ways, not just with words, but with action. So I want to be a wise, obedient man of God. I don't want to be this child. I want to put away child. I want to be known as a man of God. I want to be this wise, obedient man of God that shares your love. I don't want to just be all self-absorbed, focused. Jesus, you said the greatest commandment is to love you and then to love others. So I want to be commissioned to love others. And so I just remember I prayed this all the time. And now that I'm in my 40s, I go back and I look at this. Have I arrived? Am I living it out perfectly? No. But I'll tell you, at 42 years old, that prayer, it shaped my life. When I was in college, I had no clue I was going to be a pastor. If God told me, I'd probably have been Jonah and ran the opposite direction. Because I didn't feel fit to be a pastor. I wasn't qualified. I, I said all the time, I didn't feel like a natural born leader. I didn't have the qualities of a leader. It's like, God, I, I, I don't like being in front of people. I don't like talking. I don't like all these things. But I just kept praying this prayer. I just want to be wise and obedient and be seen with a reputation that I'm a man of God. And I want other people to get on the love relationship I have with you, God. I just, I just want to share your love. And praying that prayer, I had no idea what I was praying for. That God was saying, all right, then I'll make you a pastor one day. <laughs> That's not what I asked for, God. But yes, it was. And I would love for us, for you to get on, in on this crafted prayer thing. A purposeful prayer that we don't just do shotgun prayers, whatever. Ah, oh, we just need God's help all the time. It's actually, what do I want in life? Let me contemplate. Let me think. Let me reason. Let me use my left side of my brain and actually think this through. Like I said, Isaiah just said five words. Maybe some of us need to write a five-word prayer. I actually, if I say it again, I made my prayer 14. I want to be a wise, obedient man of God who shares your love. Stop right there. 14 words. Where did I get 14 words? From Isaiah chapter 6. Not from what Isaiah said, but from what the angel said. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And actually, it's from Revelation because they have the same thing, who was and is and is to come. 14 words they repeat 24-7. Right now, there are angels in heaven saying 14 words over and over and over and over again. What 14 words could I pray and express that would gain meaning and gain power behind it? They aren't just a flippant prayer. That like Tozer, at some point in my life, God and I, we know that prayer really well. I would love for us to be a people of purposeful prayer. Third one, prophetic phrases. It's words letting yourself and others know what God has said. A prophetic phrase is words that come out of my mouth that let me know 
and let others know what God has said. I could just say, let other people know what God has said. But in all reality, probably more than half the time I prophesy, I'm prophesying to myself. I'm declaring what God's word says into my own life, into my own situation. Because my emotions, my right side of my brain, they feel one way. And my logic is thinking another way. And at some point, I don't want to be led by my own emotions. And I don't want to be led by my own thinking. I want God's word to be my standard. What does your word say, God? Because my mind is all over the place right now. My emotions are all over the place. But I'm going to prophesy your promise. I originally put down... Not a prophetic phrase, but a powerful phrase. I don't want to re-preach this, but I've said this several times, that the, the word of God is a double-edged sword. And if you translate it in Greek, it actually can be translated a double-mouthed sword. That God has already spoken it. It's already been written. It's already available. God's word is available to all of us. But how many of us are appropriating it and applying it and speaking it into our own lives? All of his promises are yes and amen, or meaning all of his promises are available for you to say yes and amen to. Are we prophesying what he's already said? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hmm. We've got to memorize and meditate on God's word, right? What does God tell Joshua? Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meaning, keep saying it over and over again. Whatever's written down, have it come out of your mouth too. It's not okay just to hide in your heart. Yes, we should. Hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. Great. But also, it should not, it should not stop coming out of your mouth. Say it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Memorize and meditate what's been modeled. There's some more alliteration for you, right? Memorize and meditate what's been modeled. That word meditate... I loved when I heard a pastor share this. You can read all kinds of definitions of what it means to meditate. It's very different than what we, in this, I don't know, Hindu, Buddhist culture, right, where we think of it just emptying your mind. That's not what meditate means. Actually, meditate means you fill your mind with God's word, with his truth. And as you fill your mind with his truth, all those lies, all those emotions, all those other thoughts, they get purged out because you're meditating on God's word. But I heard a pastor say this. He says, one of the ways you can translate it is actually to groan. There's actually a guttural, audible noise. To meditate biblically means that some kind of noise is coming out of your mouth. And this word groan or word growl. And he gave this kind of definition. It's kind of like a, a predator that growls over its prey. That when you meditate, there's something that's available for you and you're hungry for it. And you say, oh, I need to get God's word. And you begin to growl over what is in God's word? That's mine. I'm hungry. I'm going to growl over it. And it's almost like, have you ever seen, I don't know if you've seen it in real life or videos, of like a cat that has like a mouse in its mouth and another human or cat walks by. What do they do? They, they growl. Ah, like this is mine. I caught it. It's in my mouth. It's mine. Get away, right? It's one of those things that I take God's word and I meditate on it. I feed myself with it. And when the enemy comes to accuse me and tell me I'm not qualified and he accuses me that I'm not Worthy to be a pastor and all these, then I say, okay, but what does God say? What does his word say? And I begin to growl, no, this is God's promise. Get away from me. This is mine. I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. I'm growling over, I'm meditating on it. One more analogy. I love this. Um, 
In John chapter 11, I think it's verse 38, it says this. Jesus groaned in the spirit upon seeing Mary weeping over Lazarus. So the, the story is, right? You know the story. Lazarus died. Jesus shows up. Mary, the sister of Lazarus, Jesus is one of his best friends. He sees her weeping and he begins to groan in his spirit. Meditate. Come back to that. Make the connection. He's groaning in his spirit when he sees her weep. That's verse 38, or verse 33. Then verse 38, it says this. Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It says twice in that story, Jesus was groaning or meditating on something. You guys know the end of the story, right? What did Jesus say at the end? Lazarus, come forth. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. How did he perform that miracle? There was something to me, I think, connected to him groaning. He had the word of the Lord that he was meditating and groaning on. I'm going to make the connection. What did he say right before he groaned in verse 33? He was talking to Mary. And before she saw her weeping, before verse 33, what did he say? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. As those words came out of his mouth, he knew that was the Holy Spirit. He knew that was God speaking those words. Those weren't just his made-up own words. That was the rhema word of God, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he began to growl over that. Lazarus, you're mine. Your life is mine. As the enemy came to steal and kill and destroy, he growled. He said, no, there is life in my breath. There is life in my words, and I'm about to speak this. But before I speak it, I've got to growl over it. I've got to be, have it become a part of who I am. So that when I say, Lazarus, come forth, it's going to happen. Powerful phrases need to be coming out of our mouths. Prophetic phrases, the word of God, not just scripture that we just throw around flippantly, but where it's the breath of God on a scripture where he's breathing on something and it resonates within us, that is the word of the, God, word of the Lord for me for this season. And I'm going to growl over it and I'm going to declare it. I'm going to decree it. I'm not going to just ask God, hey God, if you're in a good mood, would you, if you, know, if you have time, can you do this? That's not the prayer I'm looking for. It's this powerful prophetic de declaration. Really quick, I'm not going to go on this tangent for a second, but prophecy. Prophecy is foretelling. You're telling what should happen in the future. You're predicting prophecy. This is going to happen, right? But prophecy is also forthtelling. It's creating what is going to happen. By the words of your mouth, right? Words create worlds. When you prophesy, you're not just waiting for God to tell you what's going to happen because he knows the beginning from the end. It's actually taking God's promises, what he's already said, and saying, no, this is how it's going to be. Because he said it, and now I'm saying it, this is how it is. It doesn't look like it, it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't smell like it, but this is what God's word says, and I'm declaring it. This is how it is. I want us to be people that our mouths are filled with good things, with poetic psalms, purposeful prayers, and prophetic proclamations. Hmm. All right, one last verse. I actually, yeah, one last verse. Psalm 91, it says this. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Some of you need a refuge. You need strength. I love that David says this. I will say of the Lord. 
Not just saying he is. He is my refuge, which is true. You can say he is my refuge. But he actually, in this one, is telling himself what to do. I will say it again and again. I will just tell myself. I don't feel it. I don't see it. I don't, I'm not experiencing it right now, but I'm going to keep saying it until it does happen. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. David, read the Psalms. Read the story of David. There are times where he didn't feel like God was for him. But he just kept saying it. I don't see it. I see the enemy prevailing over me over and over again. And why? I keep obeying you and just bad things happen to me. And he says, but I'm going to say it again and again. You are my refuge. You are my strength. You are the shield about me. You're the glory. You're the lifter of my head. I'm going to say it again and again until it actually happens. I gave you some context and maybe some books. A song that I love by Brian and Katie Torwalt. Prophesy your promise. I've played that song on repeat. I don't know how many times. I've been a snot-nosed mess where I just, I was declaring what they already wrote because I, I, I identified with it. I don't feel it right now, God. And in my mind, I don't see how this is going to be good, but I will prophesy your promise that your goodness is going to follow me all the days of my life. As the worship team comes up, what is, don't get distracted. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Our mouths are to be filled with good things. And I'm going to be bold. <laughs> if you refer to me as your pastor, then you will follow my lead. Yes? yes? You will do what I say. If I challenge you or if I exhort you, you'll actually do it. Yes? All right. So I'm giving you homework with the expectation that you're going to do it this week. And I, already, I was already told that I might have some of you might, might not show up if I actually do this, but I don't care. I might call on you next week at random to see if you actually did your homework. That's to put the fear of God in you, right? <laughs> do one of these. Do your homework and write out a prophetic psalm. Get creative. If you love God like five-year-old Ryan loved his mom... I spent the time to draw something and write something that I could think of the best I could as a five-year-old. Maybe you're not eloquent. Maybe you're not gifted in poetry. But I think of that little card I wrote my mom. She put it on the refrigerator. Because I'm Van Gogh, because I'm so gifted and talented? No, because it had meaning behind it. I attempted something out of my love for her. Write a a poem to God, just expressing, use words to tell God you love him. Craft a prayer. Sit in God's presence and instead of just blurting in words and information, be still and know that he is God. What is it that pleases him? What is it that you want to do to please him? Craft that prayer. Maybe like I said, I gave you an example of 14 words. Make it concise. Or maybe this prophetic phrase, find a promise of God in scripture that you are going to declare over your life. It's not just a life verse that you think about once in a while. It's actually a declaration. You are declaring, this is how it is. Maybe you're like my wife and you're an overachiever and you'll do all three. But as we close service, I know we're just over time. We're going to sing one last worship song. 
And I encourage you, can I let you start your homework in class? Maybe some of you, we're gonna stand and sing a song. Maybe some of you are supposed to sing and actually stir up your affections for the first time. Not just sit back and watch everyone else sing. Actually close your eyes and as the priest, stir up your love and emotions that you actually have a love for God and you want it expressed. Maybe start, instead of just singing the words that they're singing, start saying out loud some other words of who God is and why you love him. Allow a new song to bubble up. Maybe the Holy Spirit will lead some of you to sit back down and and craft something, write something out. Find a scripture that's supposed to be yours. Would you just take a second, close your eyes. Holy Spirit, would you lead us? Would you help us? I confess that I love you, Jesus. And I want to love you more. I want to mature and grow in the way that I love you. And your word says that the words matter. The words that come out of my mouth, they matter. And I want you to fill my mouth with good things. And I want to partner with you today, Lord. I don't want it just to be repeating. God, I want to create with you. I want to co-labor with you to express my love, to express my desire to please you and honor you and to become who you've called me to be. I want to be bold and declare what your word has to say. So would you fill my mouth I choose this day to be obedient, to fill my own mouth with your good things. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Would you stand as you sing this last worship song and begin your homework?